It's the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent Anderson and... Agent ETA. Come with us this week as we investigate and talk about... Om Shinrikyo, the Japanese doomsday cult, who is more fam- Let me do that one more time. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Come with us this week as we investigate... Uh, let me do that one more time. <clears throat> Come with us this week as we investigate the Japanese doomsday cult. Doomsday... <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking shit. <laughs> the Japanese doomsday cult. Are you okay, You're making dude? me choke on my beer, dude. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try that one more time here. Come with us this week as we investigate the Japanese doomsday cult, Om Shinrikyo, most famous for their attack with sarin gas in a Japanese subway in 1995. All right. This one's kind of a crazy one. I mean, there's so many different levels to Om Shinrikyo. I mean, uh, just the the founder and the leader of the cult, Shoko Asahara, that dude himself has so many different levels that you could talk about, but we'll, we'll try to get to uh, uh, most of them here, if not all yeah, of them. Yeah, it's not just a simple case of we have a cult, they had some followers, there was some weird stuff going on, and then they all committed suicide, which is your typical mm-hmm. cult story. This one is a little different. Oh, this one, this one is damn near as different as you can get. In my opinion, this is the most uh, unique cult that I've ever looked into before. They're, they're very, very interesting, very unique. I mean, they, they got up to some weird stuff. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, some very surprise. Well, uh, just, just a little bit of a spoiler alert here. My personal favorite is them buying a military attack helicopter. I mean, if that, if that doesn't <laughs> kind of clue you into what kind of cult this was, you're in for a whirlwind, boys and girls. Yeah, yeah well, and how they how how they got those connections yeah. too. So, so I guess we'll start. Uh, you know, at the, at the beginning here, we'll describe what kind of a cult they were. So we already kind of said they were a, a doomsday cult. Um, so basically, the the doomsday part of their cult, what they believed, is they believed that there was going to be a nuclear war. And um, this nuclear war was going to be started by the United States, but it was going to be um, the United States was going to be antagonized by. Uh, it depends on what year you look at what they claimed. Uh, uh, sometimes they claimed it was going to be Freemasons, other times they claimed it was going to be antagonized by Jewish people, or uh, what was a couple of the other ones? There was a couple other ones too, right? Uh, I think it was. I think they were anti-American. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, Jews, Freemasons, and the British royal family, and that's right. Yeah, pretty much other religions in general. In addition yeah. to that, yeah, well, and like the Rothschilds and stuff. Like they, they would, they they would blame all sorts of people and stuff for who would be the ones that would antagonize this. But they would always say that the United States would start a nuclear war, and uh, it would it would spell the, the the doom for the world basically, unless. You were a part of Am Shimrikyo. If you were an Am Shimrikyo member, that you know you would have salvation through the Christ figure that is the leader of the the cult, Shoka Asahara. Which is so he he claimed that he was he was Christ. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that this guy claimed he could do, you know. But uh, you know, one of the main ones was he could absorb sins and stuff. And one of the reasons, you know, he he claimed that he was going to eventually uh, absorb the sins of the entire world as well. Um, he made some pretty tall claims and, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll get into that stuff later. But, um, so yeah, so 
they basically were attempting to engineer an apocalypse, basically, uh, through his actions, the Colts' actions, and um, you know what they were doing. Not just the uh, the the gas attacks that they're known for, but there's a lot of stuff that they were building and, and starting to try to put into place. You know, he re- this guy was really really trying to actually make something happen. That that's one of the things that kind of strikes me about this case is. This guy wasn't messing around. He wasn't in it for, you know, benefit uh, financially through, you know, religion or something like that, through, you know, making people give them all their worldly goods when they joined the cult, like a lot of cult members or leaders do, you know? Well, the, he did do that, but unlike, yeah. unlike other cults, he wasn't spending that on like yachts and expensive vacations. Mm-hmm. He spent that on, you know, stuff to actually cause the, you know, the apocalypse. What he said, he yeah, practiced yeah. what he preached. And oh, this, well, yeah. Well, he definitely indulged. If you if you see like a, the progression of pictures of, of this guy throughout the years, I mean, he definitely became a, a larger fella. <laughs> That's for <laughs> sure. Throughout the years, you know, he didn't start off a, a big old butterball, but he definitely ended up one. You know. But but the impression I get though is that he actually believed the stuff he was saying, whereas sometimes oh, yeah, he was. I don't always get that impression. Sometimes I yeah. feel like with these cults, the cult leader is just taking advantage of people. But in this case, yeah. I think this guy was actually drinking his own Kool-Aid. Yes, he was. This guy was truly insane. And um, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, uh, in his uh, after, you know, when he was going through trials and stuff, when after he had been arrested, um, his daughter actually had uh, tried to introduce that, I guess, uh, as a uh, defense. She, they tried to get, uh, to get a retrial and, um, you know, try to say that he was un- unfairly prosecuted because he should have been prosecuted as, you know, uh, under, you know, somebody presumed to be too insane to be put on trial, I guess, was, was what she was trying to argue. But I guess it doesn't work, work like that uh, over there. So anyways, freaking, um, let's get back on subject here. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting off track, but, uh, so, um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, Shoko Asahara and, uh, the lead up to him forming the cult. Um, we'll talk a little bit about his childhood and, and some of the stuff that he did uh, prior to forming the cult. Because I think that that's uh you know it'll be kind of relevant you know understanding the character that was at the head of that cult I think would really go a long ways towards uh, helping people understand the cult itself because like like we had said before there there's some weird freaking stuff that these people got up to and mm-hmm. the levels the levels levels of infiltration too um, and different levels you know the media the the government and uh, you know uh, law enforcement and stuff like that as well uh, it, it was it was pretty. Pretty actually kind of impressive what, what they were able to accomplish. Uh, very nefarious, no doubt about that. But Well, and yeah. i just like to point out, um, even though Agent ETA is using the past tense, these guys are still around. Shoko they're, Asahara yeah. is not, but this cult is still around. They changed their name, but they're still out there. Um, as far yeah. as I can tell, they're not doing the things that we're about to talk about still, as far as I can tell. But mm. some of the same people are still involved, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think just uh, just I remember uh, while I was doing the uh, the research here, there was recently, um, and well, well, it's not not too recent. It was, I think it was in 2018. There was a um, uh, no, was it what was it? There, recently, there was there was a, a, an attack where um, a former member of the cult had uh, driven a car deliberately into a, a crowd of people. I think it, it was during like a New Year celebration or something like that in Tokyo. But it was it was because it was because of of uh, it was because they're they're still uh, executing people for these uh, attacks and stuff that some of the cult uh, the cult members because how long you know the 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 court process has taken Shoko Asahara himself didn't didn't get executed 
you know, uh, until um, 1990. Or I mean, I'm, sorry, I'm looking at my nose here. I'm, I'm looking at, uh, I almost said 1995. <laughs> uh, somewhere. No, it, was, it was 2000, it was July, J- July 6th, uh, 2018. Well, the, he's been murdering people since like the late 80s, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he, it, he just yeah. got executed like very recently, so this is still sort of current, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's surprising how how long it uh, it, it it took, you know, through all these uh, their appeal processes or, and stuff that they they went through. But but anyways, let's uh, let's talk about Shoko Asahara, his his childhood, and and I guess uh, some of the the red flags. I think I think because there was a couple of them, you know, early on um, in his life where you know I don't think people around him could have could have in any way, shape or form predicted what this guy was going to end up becoming. But, you know, the, the guy was definitely, um, an oddball from the start, you know, but mm-hmm. so, so he himself was, was born with uh, infantile glaucoma where he was fully blind in his left eye and, um, mostly blind in his right eye. So for that very reason, when he was a child, um, he went to a school for the blind and uh, Shoko Asahara was one of seven kids. Uh, there was five boys and two girls in his family. And um, when he was there, there were stories supposedly of when, when he was in that school for the blind, he would pick on all sorts of dudes, uh, you know, people that, that were completely blind and had, you know, worse impairment than him because um, he could see a little bit out of one eye, you know, a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. So he had a leg up on everybody else, and he wasn't a small kid either. It's know? like you say in an ass kicking contest, the person with one leg beats the people with no legs. Isn't that how the saying goes? I don't know, well, something I, like well, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one one leg would definitely be better than zero. I can tell you that damn much. But yeah, it's a uh, so so he supposedly like ran like a uh, a little group of like you know kids that he would run around and bully with and stuff, you know. Um, so that's one of the red flags, you know what I mean? Uh, he, uh, supposedly from a, you know, an earlier age, maybe not, not that young, but, um, he was supposedly always kind of, uh, interested in, in, in different stuff like astrology and yoga and, and Buddhism and things like that. Um, he didn't really start, you know, taking uh, aspects from different religions and, and different stuff like yoga and stuff like that and, and making his own religion until much later. But supposedly he was always uh, somewhat interested in that type of stuff. And um, he, he ended up uh, practicing in uh, medicine, like acupuncture, uh, traditional Eastern medicine and stuff. Um, he ended up going to college for that as well. And, and supposedly in, in Japan, from what I understand, uh, going through this research, um, stuff like uh, traditional medicine and, and you know opening up like a pharmacy of some sort is actually – somewhat common for people who have uh like visual impairments or something i i I didn't read why but like for some reason i guess that's that's pretty common so that's one of the things that he was uh that was suggested to him you know uh growing up so that's what what he chose to do i think he was into yoga because he could see he could see out of one eye right so he would do yoga like right behind the hot chick in the class and then when when she was doing downward dog (laughs) he would just look straight ahead and pretend like he was fully blind, but he could still kind of see, you know, and you get away with it. It's like going to the gym and you could scope out all the babes, but you don't get busted for it. It's a perfect crime, dude. Not only can you see that nice, uh, rear end there, you know, you can actually, you actually know what spot to, to, to park up in (laughs) to get the best view, you know, you know, bump into her. Oops. Sorry. I can't see anything. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's the fifth time this week. (laughs) Sorry, uh, butterfingers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, miscues. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but 
but uh but yeah he uh so so um let's see let, let, me, let me restart here i lost my my train of thought we were talking <laughs> oh, about uh oh, sorry about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i started thinking you know yeah, i mean obviously mental pictures start coming in you know and and altering my train of thought I can't help myself. I just see, I witnessed the perfect crime. I just have to say something about it. Hey, I've been huh. to yoga class, but you know, I'm not blind, so I can't get away with that kind of nonsense. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't never been to yoga class, but I have watched yoga videos <laughs> for undisclosed reasons. Anyways. So, <laughs> so he was a bully in class and stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, he, he, uh, he went to a uh, community college in Tokyo and, um, training acupuncture and traditional Eastern medicine and stuff. And, uh, the guy actually got married also. He, he ended up fathering, uh, he had 12 kids. Dang. He had 12 kids. That, that dude was busy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good for you, sir. Yeah. You know, that, that that's how you overcome right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So was his cult, were, were they anti-contraceptive devices or was he just uh, like really busy with the I, ladies? Yeah, I, I, man, I, I think he was just uh, real busy with the ladies, man. And why wouldn't you be? Being a cult leader, if you're going to take a step like being a cult leader, you know. Yeah. I mean, come on, you know, you, you, cult leaders got to benefit from from all that stress, right? You're, le you're leading a cult. I'm absorbing your sins. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> I am making you a better person. Let me absorb your sins. Come here. <laughs> so yeah, he, he muff dives for the sins. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, if there's it's one like, way to absorb like, sins, I guess that's the way to do it. It's like bobbing for apples, I imagine. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except they're not apples, they're sins. Yeah. And, they're, <laughs> and they're, the sins are found during... <laughs> it's, not, it's not a bucket of water, it's a <laughs> vagina. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. This metaphor may be getting a little stretched out. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wait, hey, look at that. <laughs> a sinner. Oh, <laughs> uh, we gotta stop. Okay, yeah. maybe maybe I'll edit some of that out. I don't know. It's a bit much. <laughs> oh no, I think that was just right. All right, <laughs> all right. So, so anyway, so he has like a, a pharmacy where he's selling medicine and stuff, and um, he actually got arrested in 1981 for for uh, practicing without a license. You know, I guess he also got caught selling unregulated drugs. So, uh, was that what could put, I think he kind of, uh, you know, that probably edged him towards, I, I kind of have a theory. I, I haven't heard anybody say this, but I would think that this guy was already probably, probably thinking about starting his own cult at this point, you know, is that, that's not something you, you, uh, you know, that just comes up, you know, in a, a daydream, you know what I mean? Yeah. You wake up on Saturday, you're bored. I've already beaten all these video games. Ah, maybe mm -hmm. I'll go start a cult. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm going to do today? Go to the park? Nah, start a cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he, he probably, I, I imagine the guy probably had been thinking about it for some time and putting the, the places, th you know, working it out, you know, how, how do I do this, you know? But the, uh, Shoko Has Asahara had been described as being a very infectious individual. Like, the guy had some kind of, you know, you ever met somebody that just like, like, I don't know, you, you wanted to, to like the person? Like, it, they just seemed like a likable person? Oh, yeah, like, for sure. I guess supposedly the, uh, he had the kind of personality personality that was like you know, you know to the nth degree as far as that goes. You know, I mean the, he was he was very uh, likable, very infectious. He had a um, very jolly demeanor about him. I suppose mm -hmm. is what he's been described as. You know, so I guess a lot of people kind of look at him as like a fathering type character. You know, and also uh, he was a very convincing speaker as well. You know, so so. Um, so anyways, uh, in 1984 was, you know, when 
Shoka Asahara not only changed his name from Shoka Asahara, um, his his original name was, was actually uh, freaking. Uh, damn, I have it in my notes here. You know, Edit. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> All right. So Shoka Asahara's original name was actually Shizu Matsumoto. Matsumoto. <laughs> Matsumoto. I would like to take this time to apologize on behalf of myself and Agent ETA for absolutely butchering all of these Japanese names. We don't know how to pronounce any of this stuff. We're just giving it our best guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, trust me, I ain't going to get any of these names right. Um, I think uh, with the Love Pass episode that if anybody ever heard that one, um, yeah. <laughs> they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll <laughs> understand. Yeah. If you're still <laughs> with us after that train wreck of pronunciation. <laughs> Yeah, that that one was uh was tough. Oh, that's a good case though, man. I love that one. <laughs> oh yeah, heck yeah, it is. So, anyways, he was born Chizo Matsumoto, and uh, so and um before he had started the cult, right around this t- the time he had uh, started the cult is when he actually changed his name to to Sh- uh, Shoko Asahara. Um, so he starts the cult, and um he he declares himself Christ, right? And he actually wrote a book uh, about you know, how he is the Christ. Um, I didn't read the book, to be quite honest, <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but, but uh, I didn't even look. I, I, I kind of, I thought about it, you know, I was, I was like, should I buy this freaking book? I wonder if there's any freaking copies online. You know what I mean? I, you know, but, I didn't read it, but I did give it a four-star review on Amazon because I feel like oh. it would be a four-star book. So, well, I mean, why wouldn't it be? Just, just look at all the, this, this guy accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously a- he wasn't really Christ. So that's why I didn't give it five stars. Yeah, okay. basically. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, that's being a little critical. I mean, but you know, what if he comes back one day? You know, uh, that's true. Well, um, Pro- we're still waiting, all- I guess. Yeah, he proves us all wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, so th- this guy, uh, you know, from the from the early days of him starting this cult, uh, he was trying to take some some big steps and actually accomplish some th- some big things. Also, like. Like for instance, like applying to the government for uh, registration to get uh, Am Shinrikyo recognized as a real religion, you know, so that way they can get obviously, you know, the the tax exempt status. You know what I mean? So yeah, that that that's huge if you want to, uh, you know, yeah. gather money for some big plans you got in the future. You know, and I'm not an accountant, but I strongly suspect that it's not just tax exempt because if mm-hmm. you if your followers give you 10 million dollars and you have to give up half of it for taxes you still got 5 million dollars but i think the real advantage in that case is not even the tax break it's the lack of transparency i believe because once you're no longer liable for those taxes you're not scrutinized as closely as people who are or entities that are at least that's that's what i imagine eyes on you yeah because that makes what, sense why are they going to audit you if you're not even liable either way? They're not going to spend the resources. So you can do some crazy stuff like buy goat farms anywhere in the world or, you know, buy helicopters mm-hmm. or whatever shenanigans you're going to get up to. And nobody really pays much attention. So that's mm-hmm. what I suspect the real advantage of that tax shelter stuff is. But, um, I'm not hundred percent sure because I'm not a tax person. Yeah, no, you make a very good point there. I think that's uh, that's, that's quite likely. No doubt, no doubt about that. But uh, who knows how many different benefits there are? You know, I, I have no idea. I've never looked into any, any that kind of stuff. But I, I once did uh, consider starting a, uh, you know, a uh, roaming tent uh, ministry of like, you know, snake worshippers. You know, run, you know, you run, run around with uh, rattlesnakes and stuff and let them bite you. You know, 
So uh, I guess uh, this would be a good time to start getting into the the ideal system uh, of the uh, the cult. Um, and we talked a little bit a little bit about it already. We we talked about how you know the the main ideal of it you know relating to it being a doomsday cult was was it you know them talking about the atomic war that you know only the Om Shinrikyo's uh, members were going to survive right. But uh, but as far as like their religious ideal structure. Um, the whole thing basically seems to have been borrowed from most of the main world, world religions, especially like some of the Eastern Asian religions, you know, like, um, well, obviously, you know, Christianity, he called himself the Christ, right? But uh, there was a lot of Buddhist ideals that, that uh, he stole. That there was, you know, um, I think there, there was a couple things re- relating to Hinduism. But there, there was some fellow that had done a – some religious uh, scholar that had done a, a study on his ideal system and basically picked it apart <laughs> said, this is from Buddhism. This is from Christianity. This is from Hinduism. Like, all right, this isn't uh, – this is a hodgepodge of, of, of random stuff basically, you know, that you know, he put together in a way uh, that benefit him, you know, very well, obviously, you know, for the run that he did go on at least. Yes, I don't know a whole lot about it, you know. Like uh, I didn't, I didn't do a deep dive on like uh, their actual like like religious structure and stuff, and listening to like because uh, you can't find like like videos of like like lectures of like you know like cult members explaining and you know Shoko Asahara himself also uh, talking about like you know the the religious structure. But like uh, I'm kind of more interested in like you know their attacks and what they're able to accomplish the some of the crazy stuff that they got up to you know and how they got away with this stuff too for so long and and you know it's that's just amazing to me you know what i mean if you've never heard about shenanigans and tomfoolery before well (laughs) get ready folks because you are about to oh dude yes let's get into it uh so some of the some of the things that uh strike me as kind of um odd early on is, is some of the stuff like, like the, uh, you know, so, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll get into like some of the influence that they, they had early on. And, and some of the things that I find really odd is how fast he, uh, he was able to like, like push out propaganda material and start getting like TV appearances and stuff. And, and he, he was able to get on some pretty influential shows, you know, and get some pretty prime spots and, um, some of their like propaganda, like, like, uh, you know, they, you'd have like, you know, three younger people, uh, dancing, you know, on a pre-recorded you know, uh, stream that they, they would stream on, you know, a, a major TV station in, in Japan. And, um, obviously the reason why he was able to get such access was because some of his members, he had some influential members, uh, of the cult that were in media and, and in, um, news and stuff too. So he got favorable, you know, treatment and stuff. It, p- there wasn't a whole lot of people questioning him in a negative way, you know, especially at the beginning um, because of the members of the cult. But uh, they even, I think one of the coolest things about that is uh, they actually had an anime where, you know, he was like, <laughs> you know, it depicts him doing all sorts of stuff, you know, obviously like, you know, him displaying his, you know, immense powers and stuff. Right. But also like, you know, astro projecting is, is that the right term? Like his his soul spirit or whatever across like yeah. great distances and and uh, yeah they they also you know it was explaining you know what the cult was about and stuff also and, you know they explained the uh, the atomic Armageddon to come and and you know who's going to antagonize it who's going to start it and how it's going to end and the only reason why obviously you know you know um, you need to listen to them is because you know you need to join the cult to survive this right so it so, sounds to me like a slightly less bizarre version of uh, Dragon Ball Z. 
Yeah, yeah, probably like a, a real cheap version, you know, not, not quite as uh, long and drawn out, though. Okay. Like, there isn't those those constant, like, flashbacks, you know, and, like, they'll have those, like, <laughs> you know, you know five-minute-long scenes where it's just, like, flashing back and forth, like, oh, 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 showing their, like, surprised faces because something, some <laughs> some revelation was just revealed uh, through a flashback, you know? <laughs> the, <laughs> like, the flashback within the flashback and then the flashback within yeah. that to the previous flashback. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is that, like, that, that's actually the way that they did it. Like, that, that really happened. Yeah. Like, that, I don't know. That's one of the reasons why I, I kind of, like, I love it. It's like a love-hate relationship, you know? Yeah. But, so, so anyways, uh, yeah, they, they actually had a, 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 an anime, a Shoko Asahara anime, showing the Christ figure, you know, doing his many great deeds and stuff and showing his uh, immense power, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, so I always, I always found that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, they also had, like, a headgear um, with, like, electrodes uh, connected to it and stuff, you know, hmm. uh, all these wires coming down and stuff, you know. And, and the purpose of this, supposedly, was that uh, it would tra- transmit uh, Shoko Asahara's brainwaves to its user. So Ooh. you could become more divine yourself by being connected with, the you know, the guru or the Christ's uh, uh, brainwaves, I guess, you know. Hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, right. Hey, if, if all I have to do is connect to this freaking headset and become ascended, then hey, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind being in, uh, an ascended Saiyan myself because we were just talking about Dragon Ball. I prefer to use uh, ascended Saiyan rather than Super Saiyan because that was the original term. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go ahead and be a Dragon Ball uh, snob about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I actually haven't seen Dragon Ball Z, but I have seen Naruto and I understand that's basically a remake. So I feel like I've seen it. Well, yeah, no, no that, that's a yeah, that one's pretty damn good too. There's yeah, a lot of, there's also a lot, a lot of uh, spacing out of the episodes as well that happens. Yeah, it's the same thing. There's it's mostly filler, and there's and flashbacks. There's flashbacks, <laughs> and then there's flashbacks within flashbacks, and there's even on a couple of rare occasions a flashback within an episode to an earlier point in that episode. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Because <laughs> yeah, because you might have forgotten about that. that yeah, whole scene, you know. <laughs> But, but, it, but it's, I, I haven't seen Dragon Ball Z, but I feel like I have because I've talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people about it and I've seen Naruto and it sounds like it's yeah. very, very similar. Yeah. You know, I actually, you know, just to, real quick, I, I actually like the, the humor in uh, Naruto better than Dragon Ball. Hmm. Uh, for me, I, I thought it was like a funnier thing or, if, you know, just that the humor was funnier to me, you know, mm-hmm. but, but uh, anyways, let's get back to the damn freaking story. Right. Oh yes, yeah. yes sir. <laughs> what were we talking about? A freaking doomsday cult and shit. Yeah, well the the Dragon Ball Z style anime that they did. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But uh, so uh, oh yeah, we're talking about the influence and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were able to to infiltrate all sorts of different um, levels of the government. They they actually tried to uh, get some of their cult members elected through uh, um, some of the uh, the local elections, but they 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 failed in that. But they were still able. Um, they still had people in the government that that were members. That, you know, they had uh, recruited. Um, and that that's one of the reasons why they got away with so much, you know, one of the earlier attacks when, when they had, um, you know, released uh, some, some sarin gas from a converted refrigeration truck. Um, the reason why they were able to have so much time to clear out like a fact, because they had this factory where they had uh, moved in all sorts of material, uh, uh, machinery, um, all kinds of stuff that would have normally raised, and it did raise attention in the local area. People were asking about it, the locals, but um, the officials weren't doing anything about it because every time that they plan on doing something about it, not only was were those plans, you know, 
like if they were going to rate it, for example, or, or show up to ask questions, you know, they wouldn't do it like, you know, the next day, they would do it like in a week. You know what I mean? So they had plenty of time to get ready for whatever was going to happen. But that, that's what happened within that one uh, gas attack. Uh, it was actually it happened before the subway attack, well before. But um, so, so uh, yeah, they had people that would warn them about, you know, things that were happening. And, and um, that's how they were able to get away with it as much as they, they were. You know, it's not an easy thing to have, you know, um, a biotoxin lab, a homemade one, you know, in a, a residential area, you know. Um, there were a lot of people that would, you know, complain about noxious, uh, odors and stuff around that, that building too. Um, and you know, it, it was never inspected in, until, uh, that one gas attack that they, they tried to, uh, well, we'll, we'll get into that later. I, I digress. Um, that's kind of why I was, I was, uh, talking a little, I was kind of beating around the bush with that a little bit cause we, we're going to get into that later. But, but um, the influence, though, one of the reasons why uh, they were able to get some of the uh, like military equipment and stuff like that is because they actually have uh, – they, they took a trip to Russia to um, spread the cult there, right? And they were able to get thousands of people in Russia to sign up for the cult, not only just your average uh, regular people. And, and mind you, um, one of the reasons why uh, they were able to get like good quality candidates to recruit to the, the cult – was in Japan, this cult was actually seen as like a, you know, a high class type of cult, I guess you could say, if that's even like an appropriate term. There was a lot of like influential and wealthy people that had joined this cult. So it was kind of like in some circles, I, I wouldn't necessarily say like the cool thing to do, but like some influential people were doing it. So, you know, like that old saying, monkey see, monkey to monkey do it's, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of people do that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people operate like that. So um, if you are somebody that is, uh, you know, likes to follow the leader with that type of stuff that, Hey, you might actually be, you know, you might actually, might, might actually be willing to, to join a cult cause you might be a follower. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so, so anyways, uh, through their connections that they had in, in Russia after they had recruited there, um, they actually had some people within government and within industry there and, let's not forget the the period of time that this was in, you know, in, in the early nineties, um, that was one of those periods of time where this, it's not like there was a whole lot of restriction on, on stuff being sold out of Russia. You know, there, there was, you can get a lot of freaking stuff. You know, if you had the money for it, you could probably get it, you know? Yeah. You want attack helicopter filled with AK-47, <laughs> comrade. I get you attack helicopter with AK-47. <laughs> yes. It's, that uh, has to be the worst Russian accent I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> you want nuclear submarine? You give me money worth nuclear submarine. Yes. Oh, when I when I win the lottery, that, that by the way. even worse. It's, it's my dream to buy a submarine. Probably not a nuclear one, but I definitely, I'd rather have that than like a yacht. So that's definitely on the bucket list for me. I wonder if like uh, the Coast Guard... Like when they when they capture like a like one of those like drug cartel submarines that they make, you know, I wonder if they ever auction those things off, you know, because the government auctions stuff off that they, you know, like uh, captured cars and stuff, you know, and you know stuff like that. I wonder if they that'd be pretty sweet. Well, and I imagine they definitely have some epic parties on them before they take them into the impound lot or whatever the you know the naval version of that is. Oh hell yeah! Turn on the boot, <laughs> turn on the boombox, and ghost ride the whip, my friend. Hell yeah! I don't I don't know <laughs> what that means, but it sounds like fun. Oh, the the little the little kiddos will get it. Okay. <laughs> 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 but but uh, 
But yeah, yeah. Is, is there anything else you want to talk about in, in uh, reference to like their influence and stuff? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Um, everything that I had uh, in my notes, you've talked about already for that. All right, then I win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, so let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, little, little topic here. Um, or let's talk about their, their manufacture of the bioweapons. Oh, that's the fun part. Yeah. There. Yeah. This is one of the fun parks, man, because they, they uh, well, not fun for the people it was used on. Yeah. Uh, oh, that sounded so, yeah. yeah. That sounded right. pretty insensitive. E- edit? <laughs> ah, whatever. <laughs> leave it in. I don't care. Uh, so <laughs> the fun part to talk about, because I find this kind of interesting, the lengths that they went to. Well, it's just, um, so I just, just to reiterate, like, just to explain that a little bit, it's just so fucking insane. It's just so fucking insane yeah. Yeah, what they, yeah. what the shenanigans they got up to. And that's just, that's what I mean when I say fun. It's just, it's so weird. So yeah. just, just to explain myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, it, and one of the, the more interesting things I actually found out is, is all right. So in 1992, in October, 1992, they took a, a, a trip to uh, Zaire in central Africa. So the, the point of this mission, so it was like on, on the surface, it was like um, advertised as like, you know, a, a mission that like they were, you know, going to bring like a humanitarian aid and stuff like that. Right. But what he was really trying to do, and um, they found this out after the fact uh, through like a lot of like the um, paperwork and stuff that they found after like, you know, their, their facilities and, and offices were raided after the fact, um, after the cult was, you know, raided by the uh, government. So um, he wanted to go there to obtain a sample of the Ebola virus. Because he wanted to use that, he wanted to to turn that Ebola virus into a. Uh, um, he had dreams of making it into like a, an airborne um, delivery system, or making an air, airborne delivery system for it. Ugh, that's and, horrible. Yeah. Well, he also tried to do it with anthrax. Also, they actually tried to do that. They released uh, what they thought was going to be a, an airborne anthra- anthrax uh, spore, but yeah. it, it didn't end up working out. And botulism as well. Yes. Yeah. The, he was. The, they were trying all sorts of crap, man. And who knows what else? So they, they just, you know either wasn't talked about, you know, in a uh, mainstream media or you know, wasn't, you know, talked about, uh, you know, enough to, to, uh, who knows, all I'm saying is who knows, who knows what else uh, they got up to. You right. Know, th- th- whatever th- we don't know. Whenever I read cases like this and you go, okay, well we found out about this because 20 years after the fact, somebody admitted to it. Well, to me, that means probably what we know is only like 10% of the bullshit that they were actually up to. So who knows what they were yeah. actually up to. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because even if uh, it's something that you've done yourself, a, a series of acts, like say if it was a you know throughout like a, a year, a two year period, let's just say, uh, you're not going to remember every damn thing, especially if you, if it's in a a, a a fear dream of a freaking atmosphere like this. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy must have some of those scenarios been if you're like a cult member being ordered to do some of the uh, stuff that I'm assuming they must have you know done? You just sit there and imagine like the scenarios and. Jesus Christ! You know, like for example, like well, you know, some some of these uh, these these uh, chemicals were used for assassinations and attacks and stuff. You know, so I mean, just having to like uh, be in the facility that is manufacturing manufacturing these things. I mean, some of these facilities that were searched after the fact, after all the stuff had been re- removed because they were, you know, they were given a warning before it happened. Um, they found all sorts of, you know, like the walls were like coated with, with like a black goo, you know, um, it, it wasn't very, uh, 
sanitary. You know, it, it wasn't run like a, a regular lab would be, you know, where they actually take, you know, um, people's health into, into mind, you know? Yeah. We're, we're not talking about, I, I read the descriptions too, and we're not talking about like Gus's super meth lab from Breaking Bad. We're talking about no. like you give these people, you know, it's okay, go in there with jeans and a t-shirt, toss this stuff in a plastic bucket and mix it up and see what happens kind of a lab. Yeah, well, and, and some of the stories also of because uh, there were people that got like disappeared like throughout their their run this this cult's run, there there was a lot of people and there there were even um, from time to time um, on the news uh, stories would leak out about you know this person's looking for their family member you know uh, the last time they ever saw him was you know in the company of this cult you know or they knew that they were a member of this cult as well obviously so you know but. Uh, some of the uh, the people who got you know disappeared or just plain disappeared were because they were working in these facilities, working with these these chemicals and stuff, and in, the, in these biotoxins. That's why they got disappeared because well, they weren't exactly putting a lot of money into safety. So there there were quite a people, few people that died because uh, they were just working on this stuff, you know. So um, it didn't seem like he cared all that much, you know. Uh, so. Uh, if anything, uh, in, in, in Shoko Asahara's crazy brain, he might have saw that as like, oh, it's working, you know, like, that's yeah. good. <laughs> you know, it's good. It's it's working, you know, but uh, since they, but because they did fail a couple times, but anyways, um, back to the, the uh, manufacturer of bioweapons. Uh, one of the crazy things that they also did was in Perth, Australia, they actually bought a sheep farm. Why? Well, to test their, their chemicals and stuff on a uh, sheep, you know, to make sure that they were lethal, you know, cause they were manufacturing this stuff themselves. So, you know, you got to make sure that you're doing it right. So. Well. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it begs the question, why wouldn't they just get their hands on some, like a few mice, you know, scale it down a little bit. Cause mice are easy to get. You don't have to go to a foreign country to get them. Like it's, mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. pet stores in Japan, I'm sure. Don't they? I don't know. But. You can get mice anywhere. Dirty panty machines. I know that much. Yeah. But in in addition to what the biological things they were manufacturing, they also did nerve gases like sarin and VX and some other ones that they tried to make. Well, it seems like those two in particular were were, um, two of the ones that they concentrated on. They were were most successful with. I mean, obviously the sarin gas one because that's the attack in 1995 and the subways is what they're most known for. And that's what they got arrested for and shut down for, you know? Right. And that's most of the stuff came out actually after that, they were yeah. suspected of a lot of the stuff that had happened, but they, it wasn't proven yeah. until these people were arrested after that attack and they were interrogated and people actually admitted to doing this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had gotten in some trouble and, and there was some heat around them before, um, in the public eye because of, uh, allegations of extortion and stuff like that. Uh, missing members, you know, family members complaining that they haven't seen their, their, you know, their brother, daughter, sister, whatever it is, you know? Um, so they, they had had some negative, uh, pub, uh, publicity around them before these attacks and stuff. But, uh, most people in the public, they just kind of, they knew that there was an iffy thing that maybe this was a greedy cult that was, you know, extorting money from their, their followers, you know? Yeah. It, it's surprise. The thing that's surprising to me is they started, um, I think in 1989 is the first case where I could find that we know they actually murdered somebody. And mm-hmm. they, like, like we said earlier that the leader was not executed until 2018. So this catching these people was a very slow process. 
But in addition, actually, in addition to the the um, uh, nerve agents, they also manufactured drugs like LSD, PCP, methamphetamines, and things like that that they were using in uh, rituals and brainwashing in their cult as well. So just to add that into there, just just how um, how crazy this this group is. They were not just making you know like biological weapons and freaking nerve gas. How the how do you make like freaking nerve gas? Like that's crazy. Like manufacturing it and drugs. And not only that, they actually tried to manufacture AK forty sevens. There oh, was yeah, yeah. somebody was recruited to the cult who owned like an ironworks factory or something like that. And they, they converted that factory and tried to manufacture guns. But uh, as far as I could find, they were not successful. But the fact is they were trying to make guns too, in addition to all this other crazy stuff. It's just incredible. I, I had read that um, after like the, uh, the raids and stuff, after that 1995 attack and when they had uh, um, uh, raided like the facilities and the offices, they had arrested uh, Shoko Asahara. They had found, um, you know, AK-47 parts and blueprints as well. And uh, it, exactly what you're talking about. Um, they had basically been trying to, they were setting up a factory. They're going to start manufacturing, mass manufacturing their own AK-47s. Yeah. Which, you know, wouldn't be a bad model to do that with since it's, uh, those parts are going to be, you know, the ammunition is going to be common. You know, you're going to be able to find replacement parts. Those, those, the specs for those parts are very well known, you know. Mm. Yeah, but apparently they're a little harder to make than uh, than it seems at first glance. Luckily, yeah, luckily, yeah, because they weren't able to get that uh, up and running before you know the operation was shut down. Yeah. So do you want to talk about? So there was there was a couple of other um, attacks they did. A lot of them were unsuccessful. Uh, a couple of them, like they they had they would take a truck with basically with an open vat of chemicals and a fan. And just kind of blow the chemicals around the neighborhood or the yeah, the, the biological yeah. weapon and just hope it killed people. Most of those attacks ended up being like people smelled something funny and nobody actually died. But unfortunately, there were other attacks that are lesser known. Before the main subway attack, the other attack that they were most known for was uh, on June 27th, 1994. And um, that was an attack that was administered administered by a converted refrigerator truck. And so what it is uh, theorized that what they were doing was basically attacking some judges. They were overseeing a case that was a, a, um, a real estate dispute. And so they, they it was known that they were expected to lose that case. So the cases, I, I forget, I think it was one case, right? Or was it uh, multiple cases? I think it was just one case. But okay, so yeah. what, what I, what I have that it was, was that like that there was a dispute, like they were in the city and trying to do some facilities and manufacture some stuff there. And the city kind of went against them or the people in the city and tried to ban them. And they like, they signed a petition, like 140,000 people signed the petition. And that, that was at the time that was like 70% of the people in the city signed the petition to, to try to ban these guys from like making weapons or that's, whatever. And that's so huge. That's like everybody, pretty much everybody in town like rallied against them. And that's basically what like, the trial was no. about. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, not my backyard, buddy, you know, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. On well, we're on the street must've been getting, I mean, there, there must've been some percentage of the population that, that weren't a pop, part of the cult, obviously that were aware of, of at least some of what these guys were up to, or, you know? or at least that they were up to something that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also like like you know that the like 
their manufacturer build, building that was in that urban area, um, it, you know, there have been plenty of people that had had been uh, reported reporting, you know, foul gases or odors, a feeling of like queasiness, or people would get sick and stuff around there because of, like these these foul odors and gases and stuff that were coming out of the building. Um, like I remember uh, reading, um, somebody had had stated that there was like out of some of the, like the windows and in, in the vents in the building, they would see like, like the black sludge, like coming out and like oozing out or some kind of a sludge. It, uh, but, so, so you're describing my bathroom, buddy. Oh, oh <laughs> after, man, you need to. after, after a good Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you've done it right, then you, you should have some kind of a, uh, <laughs> pick up in your step there. <laughs> Awful smells, <laughs> black sludge. And I tell you what, I've been drinking some uh, of my homebrew beer and that's got some live yeast in it. And that, oh, dude, that, that will uh, cause some pretty <laughs> interesting flatulence. I'll tell you that much. I, yeah, I can <laughs> imagine that. You know, it's the worst, dude. All right. So, like, uh, driving in California on the 60 freeway, heading out like to the Inland Empire, um, there's a part where you drive by a uh, a sewage treatment plant, and like it, it, I used to drive by it every day on my way to work, right? And um, I tell you one damn thing, you'd tell the difference in the way it smelled after holidays, especially <laughs> like after like Thanksgiving. It was just like on another level. You're like, oh my good lord, you're like <laughs> that, that that's that they, that's that stepped up a notch. <laughs> Jesus. It, it, sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize to those sanitation workers. I used to yeah. live in that area. I don't anymore, but I still go to the bathroom. So I apologize to the sanitation workers in Northern California as well. <laughs> yeah. oh, whatever, man. It's yeah. a necessary evil, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, plenty, there's plenty of people around this nation that, uh, that drink recycled water, right? Oh yeah, that's true actually. Well, it might be coming out of their tap at least, you know? Let's get back in. We gotta keep ourselves on track, man. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true. We got <laughs> we gotta we gotta uh, we gotta finish this up because we got stuff to do. Oh, that's right, yeah. Okay, so um yeah, so that that uh that converted refrigerator truck uh attack was was one of the uh pre attacks, so, you know, the more notable things that happen when people might might hear about. Um and they also uh use their their chemicals for uh assassinations. Uh, for for getting rid of cult members, also that were trying to like leave the cult, you know what I mean? It's like one of those like you know blood in blood out things, I guess for them. You know, once there's only one way to leave the cult, I suppose, and that's dying, as far as they were concerned. A lot of cults, I think, are like that, where it's pretty much for life. They don't really like people to leave. You know, like for example, Scientology. If you leave, you're declared like a person non grata or oh, gra- yeah. gratis or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. once you leave, nobody is allowed to talk to you anymore. And that's a problem for people who are sort of born into it or whose entire mm-hmm. families are in it, because now yeah. they, they can no longer even call their family on the telephone. It, it's kind of, kind of yeah, sad actually, yeah. when you think about it. Well, it's, it's saddest also for, yeah, like, like you were alluding to, like if you were a child that was born into that, like say the church of Scientology, I think that would be a good example. Um, man, that must suck because you didn't have any choice in the matter. Right. You know I mean, that, that, that was what you were born into. So, I mean, even if you do grow up realizing as you're going through it, that this is complete and utter horse shit. Yeah. The, good luck. Cause you still, there's not, what can you do about it? You know what I mean? Your yeah. parents are, are fully invested, I'm assuming, you know, but 
Yeah, that must really suck. I, I would say that would be a good topic for another episode, except I feel like Scientology has been pretty much done to death. For anybody not familiar, I would refer you to South Park's treatment of Scientology, I, I believe is the the <laughs> best and most succinct, su- succinct uh, treatment of it. Um, if you want to know everything you need to know about Scientology in about 20 minutes, that's where I would direct you. Yeah, Going Clear isn't a, isn't a bad documentary either. That was by, made by the uh, the father of the uh, the leader of the church in Scientology. I forget the guy's name. Both uh, names, but David. So L. Ron Hubbard is the guy who came up with it all. Who's um, yeah? He's a sort of a semi failed uh, science fiction writer. You know, he was a, he was a, he did okay, but he's not one of these big names like you know Philip K. Dick or or one of these guys who they made a ton of movies out of his stuff. Um, well. You know, other people, not necessarily as cult members. You know, they made some of his stuff into movies, but they were all shitty movies. What? What? You don't like, uh, what was that movie that uh, John Travolta did? Was it Planet Earth or? Uh, uh, no, no. Oh, I know what you're talking about. What was it called? Yeah, I know you're talking about. It's, um, oh, crap. Battlefield what? Earth. Battlefield Earth. That's it. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude, that's an L. Ron Hubbard freaking story right there. Oh, it was that's a masterpiece. The, isn't, that, isn't that part of their religion? That's like one of the stories? Stupid humans. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the best movies ever. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh yeah. I stand corrected. Uh, I know that like uh like the, the Church of Scientology gave it awards. I know that much. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean anybody <laughs> gave it awards. I didn't it win uh, picture of the year from uh from the Razzies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it did. I think it may have, yeah. yeah. It, uh, if it didn't it, it should have. I don't yeah. know what would have uh, what what would have eclipsed it. I don't think anything would have in that time period. I don't remember what year that came out, but I remember when it did come out and I remember like, it was like, I was like, Oh, John Travolta is in a new action movie. Huh? Yeah. Like at that <laughs> time I wasn't aware of like how much of a, like a, a Uber creep that guy is, but yeah. like, like, uh, I was, oh, I'll check this out. I don't remember. I didn't watch it in the movie theaters. I think I ended up watching it like uh, when it came out on DVD or something, but I do think I paid for it in one way. Yeah. I think I rented, I think I rented it like at Blockbuster or something like that or warehouse because it was that old, uh, that, that long ago, you know, I might yeah. be dating myself or whatever. Um, yeah. Bring that DVD home baby, you know, and, and pop that sucker in, start watching it. And <laughs> it wasn't too, <laughs> it wasn't too far into her. I'm just like, what the fuck? hell did I pay for man? Like <laughs> the fuck? I remember, I remember feeling like really, really gypped. Like I was pissed that I paid any money for this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe how bad it was. I, I wait, I'm sorry. I wasn't how good, it, how good it was. It was good. It was a good movie. Everybody should yeah. go watch it. It's a classic science fiction masterpiece. Oh, if you want to learn how to become a, uh, you know, superb actor, then you need to take your lessons from, Everybody in this film, if everybody. You, if you want to learn how to become clear, which is, in, in case you're not familiar, clear is like being woke, but even better. So you should definitely all go watch this movie and then you will become aware of what that is and well on your way to becoming that, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> well, well, man, that was a bit of a divergence there. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of them this episode. where where were we what what were we talking about was this uh oh yeah that's right the the japanese cult all right uh, yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) i think we were we were talking about like the like the assassinations and stuff oh yeah yeah they they had carried out so oh yeah so there's one one of the worst ones was actually one of the earliest ones i think I, i alluded to it earlier but in 1989 they there was um a man named uh i i apologize in advance for this but 
Susumi, I think uh, T-S-U-T-S-U-M-I, Tsutsumi Sakamoto and his wife and his child. They, so this, this family, um, the husband was a lawyer and he was working on the class action lawsuit against the cult. Um, and he, the whole, not just him, but the whole family was murdered. And this is one of the ones, this did not come out until many, many years after the fact. Uh, the police suspected it might have been the cult, but they didn't really have any proof and they had no way of pinning it on them until somebody admitted to it much, much later. But um, the wor- it gets worse when you look at the details. So the, the husband, um, Susumi, he was beaten on the head with a hammer. Uh, his wife was also beaten. And also their child, the 14-month-old son, um, they didn't want to beat him with a hammer, so instead they injected him with potassium chloride to kill him. Um, the uh, the adults were also injected, but uh, the wife died, the husband did not, so um, he was then strangled to death. So the they... They beat him over the head with a hammer, murder his wife and child in front of him, and he's still not dead. He's still, you know, gurgling on the floor and just struggling or whatever. And after being able to witness that lovely event, then they just go ahead and finish him off by strangling him, which they should have done in the first place and spared him the horror of watching his family die in front of him. But that one um, of everything I've read here. You know, that one just kind of stuck with me. It just really demonstrates what kind of people we're dealing with here. Um, and we're also, this cult, from what I read, had two different structures. They had like the inner circle and the outer circle. The inner circle, those are the people who are doing these kinds of murders. The outer circle were people who were kind of recruited through like the mass media and kind of donated some money, but they weren't really balls deep into the cult, as you might say. Or as I might yeah, say, <laughs> not, the, not you, the lemmings. Yeah, exactly. The lemmings. That's a good way of putting it. But that, that's just one of uh, many cases. And like I said earlier, if, if we know about five cases, there was probably 50 that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, who knows how many cult members that they, they disappeared because they wanted to leave the cult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably more of those than assassinations. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you probably call those assassinations too, I suppose if you wanted to, but Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, oh, you, you know what we never talked about? Um, we never got into more detail with the, 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 the Tokyo subway attacks. Oh yeah. That's, that's actually a really important one. The uh, important well, the, one. Yeah. The important, that's the reason why that, that, that was the downfall of the cult basically. Mm-hmm. So, so that attack happened on March 20th, 1995. And they had multiple, uh, Am Shinrike members go on the, the subway, Tokyo subway with, um, bags it had um, two different chemicals. Uh, I forget which which two of them, but when they when it mixed, it created sarin gas. So what they did was they had two Ziploc bags with these uh, liquids in there, wrapped up uh, in newspapers, in a, like a newspaper package. All, all these um, cult members were carrying um, umbrellas with like tipped points, and so what they would just do is they would get in their you know uh, the box car that they 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 planned on going into, and um, they just put the package on the ground, and they would um, right before they left. They would poke the uh, bag, uh, you know, at least a couple times to to mix, make sure that all that fluid mixes, and then you know, stroll off of the uh, subway, um, and then let it do its damn thing. Um, and they supposedly they were also carrying syringes with um, antidotes, uh, sarin sarin gas antidotes, and uh, um, I'm not sure if they use them or not, but in case they got exposed to it. 
but so yeah, that that um that attack was. I mean, they they definitely did a lot of harm in that attack. The the, the numbers were that they killed thirteen people. Um, they injured. It was I think they injured thousands. Uh, there was a bunch of people. Yeah, that the the original uh, the the number. Um, I've heard estimates around six thousand. You know, yeah. the, the 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 amount of people that were actually like like technically injured. Some obviously the injured the injuries varied from people who were just nauseous, and there's people still to this day that that suffer these effects. There are people that went blind. You know, pe- people that I mean, there there are people that were affected for the rest of their life. Uh, the, I mean, obviously the people who died. I mean, yeah, <laughs> sarin gas is nasty stuff. It's no joke. Yeah, it's yeah. It's some horrible freaking crap, but I mean, and also one of the reasons why, because uh, I've heard this stated like time and time again um, when I was researching this, is one of the reasons why uh, the effects were as bad as they were was because let's not forget, like they're, they're this is like the first like attack of any kind, um, like terrorist attack you could say, right? That, that happened in Japan since probably like World War II, probably I guess you'd say. I mm-hmm. would assume. So like they, they would never, they weren't even thinking, they would never even think that something like this was possible. There were cases where they even um, had this one case where some like the, uh, the subway workers like took the bags, the sarin gas packages off of the train and like collapsed while carrying it. Cause they like, they were just like taking trash off, you know um, the Tokyo subway system is legendary for like their efficiency. It's also very uh, crowded as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's legendary for how crowded that, that subway can get. Um, but they're also very efficient. So, uh, the people who work there, you know, um, they do their due diligence on keeping the place clean and keeping it working well, you know? Um, so, the, the, there was a, another case of, uh, uh, some of the workers that had, uh, moved, um, some people into a back room that were being affected. You know, they were showing effects from the sarin gas. Um, one of the people had walked in there with a package and like put it in there. Obviously all those people, I think in that room died, I think. But um, that was a big number of those thirteen uh, people that died, I think. But uh, yeah, all of them passed out and and you know were kind of messed up because they're in an enclosed area. They and so that that kind of uh, showed. Yeah, you know, that's one of the reasons why some of the effects were so bad. And there were so many people, not only because it's it's crowded. Um, there's a lot of people in their subway system, and it's a subway, so it's it, there's a lot of spreading that that gas can do right within those groups of people. Um, but they just weren't ready for it. They they had no idea. It took them too a long time to even identify it as like a um, you know a chemical attack of some sort. You well, know? And, and who would be? How often in your daily life do you come across sarin gas? Like most people yeah. wouldn't even yeah. know how to react to that sort of thing. You you just don't expect it. Nobody yeah. does. Yeah. Well, and also seeing like the effects on people. How many people would actually identify those effects? Like and, and know that oh my gosh, this is like sarin gas or or even like a chemical attack or some. You know something would be weird. I don't know if I would immediately like, you know, if you saw like a, a group of people like a, being affected by something, you'd you'd probably walk up to them and try to figure out how you help. Yeah. Right. Not not knowing that you could be walking into a gla- a, a gas of a sarin or a cloud of sarin gas. Sorry. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it can happen to any of us. Absolutely. And one thing that is I that really strikes me is when you imagine something like a nerve. Well, when I I should say when I when I imagine something like a nerve gas attack. I envision like, you know, secret schematics and laser beams and like high tech stuff, but we're talking about like, they achieve this with like Ziploc bags and umbrellas, which it's just kind of, it's kind of crazy at just how low tech they were and what they were able to achieve with such Mm -hmm. limited means, 
You know, it, it's yeah. not like they recruited some weapons expert from the CIA or something. They, they just yeah. figured this mm-hmm. out on their own. It's crazy. Well, and like, like we said, they injured thousands. They, they, they killed 13 and like as horrible as that sounds, they intended on killing thousands. That, that was yeah. their plan. Like, it could they, have they been wanted, much worse. Yeah. They were, yeah, they were trying to do a lot more than that. Yeah. Quite significantly more, but. Yeah, it's um, that's it's crazy. But yeah, because of that attack, um, that that was the last uh, the last uh, straw right there. And they very soon after that, uh, after you know the authorities had put the pieces together and figured out, figured out that it was Am Shamrikio that had done that. You know, they they got raided all over the damn place. People started getting arrested. You know, and um, you know, shortly thereafter, when the evidence was collected and gone through, you know, they, yeah, they 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 uh. They put him through trial, and there's quite a bit of people. Most people that were convicted, from what I understand, the um, the higher level inner circle people you're talking about, uh, there there's a lot of people that were were uh, sentenced to death, and there are still people. Um, I think last year there there was um, a couple Amshamrico um, members that were executed, so they're 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 still executing uh, these cult members this day, even. When they raided their compounds, they found all kinds of explosives and weapons. And, and the, my personal favorite that I, I keep mentioning it is, you know, the attack helicopter. But they also found enough chemicals that they could have made enough sarin to kill 4 million people, assuming that they had uh, good deployment. So these people were, they were, this looks like it was just the beginning. This attack on the subway looks like they were planning to scale up from there. And that was sort of like their, one of their early test. Things. Yeah. Like a stepping off point. Yeah. If they hadn't been stopped there, it would have just gotten so much worse. It's, it's like a, it's like a cult, uh, just a thousand times worse than what we're used to. It's probably the scariest cult ever in the history of cults, just because of what, up there. what they were trying to achieve. Most cults, that are doomsday cults, they'll predict the end of the world. They'll say, Oh, it's going to happen, you know, in 2025 or whatever, but they don't actually try to make it happen. These people were actually trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And they were for real. Yeah. Yeah. For realsies, they were trying to make it happen. But, and there's other, like one of the um, other things they tried to do is, like in April of 1995, they, they put a hydrogen cyanide device in a bathroom at, at one of these subway stations, but it was disarmed. They found it and they disarmed it. But they mm-hmm. estimate that that particular device, if it had gone off, could have killed up to 10,000 people. And that's just, that's just one example. So that's, that's what crazy, I mean. Like, man. They were just gearing up. They were just sort of figuring out how to do this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like it's very, very unfortunate what happened. But um, if that event had been uh, less severe, you know, then they might not have triggered that, that reaction and they might not have been caught and it might've led to something even worse than what happened, which is kind of scary to think about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fortunate that they didn't have the opportunity to learn from that event and do better. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. So uh, what do you say, man? I mean, I'm not sure there's, there's, uh, there's endless for the listeners, if you look into this yourself, there's endless like little rabbit holes and little things you'll find out about this case. You'll just like we see. I say about many things, you know, other cases uh, we talked about before that you're just constantly like slapping your forehead and be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot. What? Of, a lot of WTFs <laughs> with this one. 
And I, how? I, I guess if <laughs> you know, if we're going to wrap it up, we could do a little epilogue here, which is that they're like I said earlier, they're still around. Um, yeah. They yeah. the group apparently allegedly, I guess I have to say allegedly, murdered a legislator in two thousand and two that had formed an ant uh, group that was like anti Alm, I guess you'd call it, like the, a group that was against this particular cult, and that legislator ended up getting murdered. Um, in 2002 and his murderer was, uh, you know, later caught, but still like, even though the, the leader has been caught and, and hung, by the way, I guess in Japan, they still hang people, which yeah. is, it's kind of gangster, I guess. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah. All right. It's I an guess. interesting detail. All right. <laughs> that shit cray. I mean, Hey, that's, that's a, some pretty damn solid fear of repercussion right there. Yeah. And you ain't going to be going peacefully. And j- like ETA mentioned earlier, um, in 2019, a man had driven, drove his car into a group of people. Luckily for that event, uh, nobody was killed, but nine people were injured. But the point is, is that this cult is still, uh, they're still alive and kicking. So hopefully they fizzle out and, um, you know, sail off into the sunset or whatever, but you never know. Um, the, the government, from what I understand, the Japanese government is, keeping a surveillance on them and trying to make sure they don't get up to more shenanigans. But there, I mean, there's, there's a couple splinter groups and who knows what's going to come of this. And these are so apparently highly motivated people. So I'm hoping that, um, that they sort of fizzle out, but that that's not uh, necessarily guaranteed, I guess. So that's, I guess if you want to wrap it up, that's a little epilogue for you. Yeah. Well done, sir. Well, thank you. All right. Any anything else you'd like to add, Agent ETA? Uh, I mean, no. Nah, I think we we've covered it sufficiently. I think. All right. Well, thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed the show, you can really help us out by subscribing leaving us a good review and suggesting the podcast to your friends.